gabagoogram and something with fat and nitrates. Hey, hey, Gabriel says we down here for the gabagool. The gabagool. Let's say it. The gabagool. We had sandwiches brought in the other night. Forward ham, salami, gabagool. Taking the gabagool and shit out of the fridge. Gabagool. Over here. All this from a slice of gabagool. Let's get back to that gabagool. Hello <laughs> and welcome to Gabagool and Roses, the only and best left of Sopranos podcast. I'm John. I've seen The Sopranos a bunch of times. My two co-hosts are Ben and Rachel, and they've never seen The Sopranos before. Every week we take the next episode of The Sopranos and we talk about it and we try to throw in a little leftist perspective. Uh, so uh, we are doing by Zoom call again because we are still in the hell world. Uh, Rachel, why don't you say hi? Hi. How's everyone doing? First time, long time. Good to see you all. Good to hear you all. <laughs> ben? Hey, uh, this is Ben. I'm sitting here in quarantine hanging out with my pussy cat, and we are uh, waiting on the world to open up. I guess shout out to our friends and our comrades in Georgia who already had the opportunity to go and catch the coronavirus. So This is going to come out like five or six. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to so, put it out, like, immediately, like, interceding, uh, like... <laughs> skipping the last half of the first season? Yeah. Spoiler alert, uh, dear listener, we do record these well in advance of release date, uh, if you haven't mm-hmm. figured that out already. But yeah, we're still in the hell world. Probably when, by the time this episode comes out, we will all have been released from our bondage uh, and been allowed to work again, the... The protests of those brave patriots will have paid off. um, Well, speaking Uh, of... No, by the time this episode comes out, we'll all be dead from corona. Stop! (laughs) Well, I was was getting ready to applaud you for your... uh, for bringing up protests because that's kind of you know big thing that's going on in this here second season or second mm. episode right it is indeed uh this episode is season two episode two do not resuscitate and yeah <laughs> uh protest uh and uh in fact astroturf protest spoiler alert uh play into this episode so uh let's do initial reactions what did you guys think better than the first episode of season two wow big disagree okay. i thought the first ep was better but mm. i mean it's still a good ep it's just i i yeah okay yeah i mean they're both great you know it's it's sort of like um yeah no i i agree with that i mean it's not like significantly better it's just preference i suppose but they're both great episodes and uh let's not have discord okay we'll do uh, twitch instead okay <laughs> Uh, we we do not allow gaming on this podcast gaming is haram um okay um all right so let's start the episode uh which begins with tony going to see junior in prison uh and tony sort of taunting junior um, saying that uh, a lot of his friends are having bad accident and uh, he's going to have to go to a lot of funerals and shit like that because Tony is picking off his uh, his crew, Junior's crew, one by one. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, what did you guys think of this scene? Uh, very dumb for Tony to go in there talking about all of that. Very, 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 very dumb. Why is that, um, Ben? Because, well, I mean, obviously the the show says it uh 
or Junior says it to Tony first. He's like, they are fucking listening to us. And they absolutely are listening. That is a recorded line. Um, Anyone who's ever watched a true crime documentary, that's right, all you white female listeners, uh, they know very well that those uh, lines are recorded and uh, played back. You know, I thought about yesterday when I was watching Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia was that (laughs) I should start writing uh, Sue Bob's son who's in prison for shooting that guy. (laughs) I was like, you can't fun bed bow. Uh-huh. Anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. I had a weird yeah. pen pal from jail. That was, that was a Patreon-worthy episode. Listeners. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Back All right, on murderinos. Track. Let's get back no, on track. I- <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my god. So we've got so Tony is is going to visit Uncle Junior and he's uh and there's a reason he's going to visit Uncle Junior and it's to tell him that what was he what is he telling send, him? Is he, is he just... Send Bobby Bacala to talk uh, mm-hmm. because uh, Yeah. This Tony... theme I feel like changes in every scene, by the way. Bobby, uh, it's Bobby Bacalieri, but they all call him Bobby Bacala. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, he is a big boy. And he is a big old big boy. <laughs> um, we'll get, we'll talk more about Bobby Bacala. But yeah, Tony has essentially picked off all of Junior's top. So the only one really that's left is sad sack, quote unquote, fat fuck, Bobby Bacala. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so after this little <laughs> visit in, uh, in prison, um, which does not end well, Tony sort of leaves in a huff and so does Junior. Uh, then we cut to the, uh, a protest outside of a construction site, a picket. Uh, the black joint fitters have been shut out of the the white run, Italian run, mob run, uh, joint fitters, uh, and are picketing outside of the construction site, led by, uh, as Ben pointed out, probably a Jesse Jackson Jr. stand-in. Mm-hmm. What's his name? I forget his name. Uh, it is... <clears throat> yeah, just somebody who's just, you know, following in his father's footsteps of, you know, being a, an activist. Right. Reverend um, James Jr. Wow. Jesus. <laughs> so, so very on-the-nose reference, I think, to Jesse Jackson and Jesse Jackson Jr. Yeah, they're not even trying. <laughs> right. Uh, Jesse Jackson Jr., if I remember correctly got into a lot of trouble for stealing a bunch of money or something like that, like campaign Mm -hmm. contributions or something. Uh, Anyway, so. But uh, shout out to Jesse Jackson Jr. for being a graduate of NCA&T and being a Greensboro guy. Um, And for meeting my mom on an airplane. (laughs) Yeah. He spoke Uh, at uh, the law school that Ben and I went to. Yeah, and I realized that um, one of his professors in college was Ken Jong's father. What? Uh, Ken Jong or the comedian? The comedian doctor. Yeah, because... That doesn't make any sense the other way. Ken Jong, not Kim Jong. So anyway, so uh, Jesse Jackson Jr. uh, or uh, Reverend James Jr. is running the protest. He calls his father up. Uh, to lead the protest as well. Um, and we see the, who's that, the foreman or the GC sort of lean out of the trailer and get a little agitated. Yeah, that realize. is Jack, that's Jack Masterone. That's the guy who owns the construction company. So that is the uh, the owner, the ownership class represented. His there. lines in this episode were just pout. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's very upset because labor is getting in the way yeah. again. Oh. Um, uh-huh. but no, uh, racism 
within the labor movement and within union, a very real thing and a very real problem that labor has always struggled to deal with. Um, the AFL originally was a segregated union. And by that, I don't mean that there were black unions and white unions. I mean that black people were not allowed to be members of the union. Um, that's what made the CIO such a big deal is it was the first integrated union. Um, Ooh, actually, that's not true. The IWW, shout out to the Wobblies, was the first integrated. Um, and the shout CIO out. was the first uh, amalgamate um, uh, conference of, of unions. And anyway, then later they merged with CIO. Was but, it Ely's idea to merge them? Or... I don't. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah, it, it continues to be... Uh, race politics continues to be a problem in business unions, especially. Um, shout out to, again, shout out to the Wobblies for industrial unionization. Um, but yeah, when... When your shop steward and your union president and all those folks um, are of one race, then it can tend to antagonize racial tensions. Uh, that's, of course, what the bosses want to um, to antagonize those racial tensions to keep us fighting amongst each other, um, so that the uh, the folks at the top are getting the the bigger piece of the pie. But I digress. Um, we have some good old fashioned racial labor tension in this episode. Um, so yeah, uh, any more on the initial protest scene? I mean, it's a it's a solid protest. It is. It's pretty well attended. They got they got pickets. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, I, I should call it, it. It does appear to be a picket rather than protest. They uh, it looks like they're there blocking is. entrance to the site um, so that the workers can't get in. Uh, scabs scabs can't get in. Picket. God damn it. Yeah, picket. <laughs> so um so this prompts a call from jack to tony uh and, and and this is this is why bobby was sent or why tony wanted to talk to bobby mm -hmm. was because junior runs the pipe fitters right correct so uh bobby is joint, summoned sorry, to the joint fitter pipe fitters joint fitter. okay yeah. so bobby is summoned to the pork store uh and, and tony's crew is all there Tony's pretty upfront, you know, about what he wants and what he's going to get, um, which is control of the joint fitters. And no, no. Um, so I wrote this down. Uh, Junior gets five percent of everything he earns. The rest goes to Tony. He gets to keep the joint fitters, uh, and Junior remains boss, but everything else is Tony's. He only gets five percent of his hiccup and his shy. Um, and he gets to keep the joint fitters, but everything else. Okay. So, so the the thing is, is that he needs to hold on. Let me let me take a step back. Yeah. I don't. Uh, so, so, Jack, so uh, construction owner Jack Massarone wants is for Tony and his crew to come in and bust skulls and break up the picket. But Tony's not going to um, to do that without Uncle Junior's okay and without uh, Uncle Junior's crew being involved um, because it is a pipe fitters union. So um, for Tony to act outside of uh, the union would be no bueno. Does that make sense? Yes. So that is the driving um, right. driving force of this or yeah. the main conflict of this the story I think is um, is what to do about it. So uh, Tony right. goes over to uh, Reverend James Junior's townhouse and it, it Turns out that uh, Reverend James Senior is is there, and he has a, a and meeting. He's cool. He is fucking awesome. You are absolutely right. Like he's Reverend James cool. Senior is uh, he's he's sharp, he's funny, uh, and he's got a lot of good stories. And you know, he's got the the quote of the week: "Never underestimate a man's desire to be free." And yeah, uh, I thought the quote of the week was "To the victor goes the spoils." <laughs> yeah, maybe. Bobby Bacala. Anyway, yeah, no, not really. It's a yeah. poorly delivered line and a bungled That's quote. Um, yeah. But no, uh, the senior reverend uh, 
is is awesome. Really impressive guy, and you know, it, it's funny to you know to juxtapose those two characters. You know, one is is somebody who's actually tried really hard to you know, create a better world. And then the other is just someone who's just ripping people off left mm-hmm. and right. And I think, you know, in, in watching that scene was when I finally gave up and said, man, I just like, I don't want Tony to win. Like I'm tired of him. Yeah. This. So yeah, we don't know this at this point, but yeah, spoiler alert. The, the junior reverend is, uh, is in the hoot, Tony. Um, right. And his, this is sort of an astroturf protest to a certain extent. I mean, these people actually believe in what they're doing. Um, and the, the junior reverend is taking money under the table to, um, to stir up this racial antagonism so that Tony can bleed more money out of the, uh, construction company, which, hey, uh, big thumbs up for bleeding the ownership class dry, um, but stoking racial antagonists to do it is not uh, mm. it's not the way to go about it. Yet another example of these guys just doing something the wrong way. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So then the next the next part of this storyline, we'll go ahead and cover the labor storyline first here. Um, the next part of it is Tony actually. Um, uh, we see the the money handoff from Jack Masseron to uh, Bobby Bacala and Junior. Um, uh, at this point, Junior has been released from prison. We'll come. We'll circle back and talk about that uh, more later. But um, the the very awkward Jack Masseron leaving the uh, the money in the the uh, the magazine. Right. Very funny. Was very, it was a very funny scene. It is more of the just doing weird crime in plain sight thing like beat people up in an office fucking knock someone's teeth out in the middle of broad daylight like fucking Mm -hmm. beat someone up in downtown newark like just wherever whatever the supporters do not give a fuck or just like hand the envelope to him and be like hey man thanks good to see you again yeah might as well have for all the subtlety in that scene yeah uh and uh Uh, of course, you've got a uh, classic junior racist joke in that scene. Oh, it was awful. He, I don't think he knows any jokes that aren't racist or sexist. And shout out to Bobby to be like, that's not fucking funny. Yeah. No. Well, Bobby, Bobby just doesn't didn't get, it. get the joke. He's like, yeah, he drives a Lincoln. Ooh. Uh, yeah. I I don't know. I thought I thought Bobby was just like, uh, you know, uh, whatever. All right, take from it what you will. I, I think. Uh, you give Bobby Bacala a little bit more credit than he deserves, but I am absolutely uh, doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So uh, next is Tony meeting with Bobby uh, to get the payoff. And he tells Bobby that, uh, well, first of all, he makes a bunch of jokes about how fat Bobby, which he is a big old boy. But size isn't not cool. And also, Tony, you're no fucking (laughs) Naomi Campbell over here. Which Bobby says after Tony yeah. drives off. It's very like, like it's a very co- sort of pathetic scene after yeah. Tony drives off. Then he says, "Oh, what are you talking about? You fat yeah. fuck!" And he fits in his direction and all mm. that. I did yeah. think it was funny when he, like Tony drives his big ass SUV and he's like, "Don't lean on it or you're gonna flip it over." Yeah. <laughs> um, but he tells Tony he, does have incredible burns. He's such a dick. <laughs> God damn it, he's funny. It is funny. Uh, um, yeah, and, and the way they shoot it, like, Bobby has a hard time even getting out of the car. He has to, like, take both hands and put him on the roof of the car to, like, get himself out of his Cadillac. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 funny. Um, it made me think of that scene in Snatch where uh, 
Tyrone, the getaway driver, is trying mm-hmm. to get into and out of the car. It's it's a funny visual oh, gag. Yeah. It is <laughs> big man, little car is, is <laughs> classic. <laughs> Uh, and one that I'm sure everyone loved when I used to drive around a Camry and anyone Stop. in the parking lot <laughs> saw me getting in and out of that car. Uh, oh. Bad Bobby Bacala vibes. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Tony tells Bobby that he's got to go show up for the strike break the next day. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, cut to Tony sitting outside of the construction site and he and he and Pussy sitting outside of the construction site and he's watching through binoculars. I'm making the binoculars hand motion. Binoculars. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Don't. Uh, <laughs> So, um, and then Tony sees our two new favorite characters, uh, Matt and Sean, uh, or rather they clocked Tony. Uh, Can we these make are... up nicknames for them? What's a good duo that like... Beavis and Itchy and Scratchy. <laughs> uh, All right, we'll keep dumber. brainstorming, but I don't want to call them okay. Matt and Sean. Uh, Fuckboy 1 and Fuckboy 2, um, the business bros. Well, we, Fuckboy number one was old Brendan. I think we know that. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, uh, yeah, they're... Wow, they're keeping... I just had a thought. Like, uh, the only good thing about these two guys is that they haven't tried to fuck a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. no. Yes. Oh no. The season is young, and oh, so boy. are their victims. Um, oh my god. So, so they see Tony, and they call out to him. They're like, "Tony, Tony!" He takes off, drives like straight at them, and it's like, "I'm not supposed to be here, you stupid fuck!" Uh, and so then they're like, "Oh great, now we just look like jerk off," uh, which they already looked at when yeah. they, they already looked like wearing suspenders slack to a strike breaking, but whatever. Yeah. Um, so then Christopher and Matt and Sean and a couple other goons, they go and they uh, start antagonizing the uh, strikers. One of the strikers asks to see the foreman. Chris says, I'm sorry, you want to hear the foreskin? <laughs> uh, and then they just, it breaks out into a brawl. And as soon as the fight starts, like seven Cadillacs full of like old mobsters in their tracksuits pull up and just start wailing on the strikers. Um, uh, We see, like, uh, Sean has a baseball bat, um, (laughs) and there's, like, chains in play, like guys getting choked out with chains. It's it's a pretty Pretty vicious... Okay. (laughs) Rachel's kink corner. Is this the first... I'm so uh, sorry. Yeah, we didn't have a Rachel's Kink Corner corner in the the last episode. We can get into it at at the end of this one or something. I have a lot. It shows. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, So... Let's see. So then uh, uh, what next happens is uh, Tony goes uh, to the pastor again, um, and uh, the Rev Senior has uh, passed away. Tony's like, I just saw him the other day. Um, Aging is definitely a theme of this episode. Um, We'll um, plan that a little bit more uh, as we develop the themes. Um, um, But then, then we see the handoff where Tony gives the guy the money. And we understand that they're in cahoots together. Um, so as part of the recompense from the construction manager, they're going to give um, the black uh, joint fitters five uh, no-show jobs where they're going to get paid for not doing anything. And Tony and the Reverend Bicker on how that's going to be divided between the mob and the black union. Um, so, yeah. So that was uh, that's basically that storyline, I think. Did you all have anything? We sort of covered the, the big points on that one earlier, but did you have anything else to say about class antagonisms or race? Yeah. Race? 
Oh, yeah. fuck yeah. Go for it, Benjamin. God. Uh, so, I mean, in this, in the past two episodes, really, um, Tony's been doing a very good job compartmentalizing, I think. Um, you know, he's just sort of floating through this episode uh, without any care in the world that these are actually people who are literally fighting and getting hurt and getting fucked up. And he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think a, I think a protagonist a better protagonist would spend some time coming to grips with that and thinking about that, uh, recognizing that some of the things that he actually does have consequences. Um, and, and, you know, like I said earlier, like it was right here where I was like, okay, I, I'm checked off. I'm checked off from Tony. I don't care if he, I don't care if he makes it, you know, he's already, you know, this, this to me was the one that, that break the camel's back in terms of like me giving a shit about Tony as a as character. So I'm out. I, Right. Fuck this guy. <clears throat> well, that's that's fair enough. And yeah, you see um, Tony using these race antagonisms again to bleed the construction company dry, not for the good of the workers, um, but he's extracting that capital for himself and for the rev. So it's just it's just management of a different sort. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I I do feel like this episode made me feel a little optimistic about the way they're going to handle race moving forward. Now, tempered optimism. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, it. I don't think I don't know it. It unlike the other episodes in the first season that dealt with race in like a very. Uh, it, race was just like the background to mm. the plot. Like I feel like this episode, there was a little bit more substance and commentary happening. Um, but I, th- I'm hoping that it's just setting like the tone for more of that. Um, but there was like a lot of racism in this episode, <laughs> and it wasn't just with the the um, uh, folks in the union. It was also like uh, Livia, or there were two. I noticed this: two black female healthcare workers that were called Honey in this episode, which is just like fuck. Um, and then also, um, you know, Junior's stupid fucking joke. Like, I think I don't know. Will the show ever tackle race in a, like, a good way? I don't know. Probably not. But we'll see. We'll yeah, I mean, I, I think that the uh, you know the the way that these old white characters uh, interact with black people is is, is entirely uh, gross. Um, but you know, I think that out of everybody in the in the show in this episode, at least you know, the the person who is probably the most virtuous and, and the most likable is the elderly black guy. Oh, for the, sure, the elderly reverend. And I, you know, in, in terms of constructing a you know a, a full world. Uh, characters, you know, I, I think that it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to fault the show too badly, you know, because I think that that character is so so rich and, and good, and I think that the uh, you know, the shithead junior reverend, they capture that as well. Um, you know, he's just corrupt, but otherwise, right. I, I don't know, I I'll, yeah, the old the old white people suck at dealing with race, but hey, you know, yeah. welcome to 2000. Hey, did y'all see that Alito descent, by the way? Oh, the shit, I still haven't looked at it, I need to. So you want to oh, tell us a little bit about it? So, Ben's Law yeah. Corner? Ben's Law Corner. What's going on? Mr. Cushman, you are out of order. You're out of order. You're out of order. The whole trial is out of order. They're out of order. So basically the case was, is there a constitutional right to a unanimous jury verdict in a criminal case? And so there are two states in the United States, Oregon and Louisiana, which said that, um, which permitted people to get convicted on a 10 to 2 jury uh, count. Uh, The Supreme Court ruled that there is a unanimous right to a a verdict. And Justice Gorsuch begins the the opinion of the court by talking about how literally uh, this unanimous, this non- 
unanimous jury verdict was a way to oppress minorities, just to you know get them convicted of stuff so they couldn't run for office, so they couldn't vote, uh, and it was all you know developed by these really fucking racist ass uh, legislators from like the 19th century. And then Justice Alito dissents because, you know, that's what prosecutors do. Um, They're like, we love convicting uh, people. And Alito was like, was like, look, you've got it wrong. It wasn't the 19th century. You know, this, this whole unanimous, non-unanimous jury verdict thing was re-upped by Louisiana in the 1970s. So are you really going to call 1970s Louisiana racist? <laughs> are you doing that? <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> and it's like, and Oregon, are you going to call Oregon racist too? And it's like, wait, wasn't Oregon literally the white, the place for white people to go? Like, yeah. no, like literally, that's what Oregon was. I mean, still right. is, kind of, but right. eat shit, yeah. Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming to Ben's Law Corner. That uh, was good. I learned a lot. So anyway, um, we're, we're, we're going back to talking about Uncle Junior's story. Right. Okay. Yeah, we can talk about Uncle Junior. Um, so yeah, one one thing that I want to point out that I forgot about when uh, Tony visited prison is what Junior wants this episode is he wants um, Tony to uh, make up with Lydia. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, she didn't know what she was doing. Uh, you know, like it's not her fault. Like make up with Lydia. Um, which which Junior doesn't believe. I don't yeah. think. But he's trying. He's trying to get people to quit talking because that's what got what's his face popped. Right. Who? Philly boy. Oh yeah. Oh right, right. So you know, people are people are uh, disparaging the Sopranos name because uh, the mom and Tony are are beefing, and well, it's embarrassing to everybody. Let's back up a little bit. So before that, because that that comes after Junior gets out of prison. Um, so before that, we got to get Junior out of prison. There's a great scene where Junior is hooked up to an oxygen tank uh, <laughs> with yeah. his law and like clearly like trying to play it up like he's pulling he's pulling a Weinstein yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he is definitely pulling a wine uh, and trying to get out of prison for his health um, and uh, they talk about uh, he's going to be put under house arrest. Yeah. Uh, and the judge who the show goes out of its way to show you his nameplate multiple times so that you can, and I, I didn't write down what the name was, but it's, it's a, like, it's a Jewish name. It's a Steen or a Berg or something. Greenstein or. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Junior talks about wearing an electronic bracelet. He goes, the judge goes, how would you feel about that? And he says, sounds like Nazi Germany to me. Yeah. And the judge does not take that very well. No. Uh, and, uh, and he's like, well, I suggest you read up on history um and mm-hmm. so yeah so junior is getting released from jail uh he's just in jail because he hasn't been convicted yeah. yet right. as they point out um, and, and and let me let me take a step back also and, and let's talk about this the evidence that's presented by his lawyer is that he had he's been he's been he's got connections to this crime family sure but also he hasn't been arrested since like the 60s since he Almost. got busted at the amusement park or the 70s right yeah but it was it was like the 60s yeah but that was the last time that junior got in in legal trouble yeah and and so it's like like from a from a bail perspective it's like what are we doing like confining this old old man pre trial you know who doesn't have a I mean, who does have a very long history of you know criminal behavior, but doesn't have any um, any convictions no to show for it, right? No like, official no history. history, right? And it's like, what, like, what are we doing trying to hold him, you know, without like, like if I'm those, if I'm the U.S. attorney, I, why, why do I care? Let this fucking old man out. Right. All right, I'll get out of my law corner. Uh. <laughs> All right, so Junior gets released. Yeah, he gets out, and they meet up at 
a cardiologist's office. Right. He uh, and Tony. Tony's playing with the giant model of the heart. What a cute <laughs> moment, by the way. That was, I do, I, I really appreciated that because it kind of reminds you that like, yeah, this is an uncle and nephew. Right. Tony's still kind of like a kid almost. Uh, and Junior um, sort of tells Tony, you know, the feds can't bug your doctor's office, so we're allowed to do business here. Um, and then Tony breaks down for him what the, what the deal is going to be. Um, with the strike and all that. So I, I think the next thing that happens with Junior is his shower accident. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Junior's in the shower. He drops his razor. He bends over to pick it up and uh, falls, uh, hurts himself. Tony comes over and Bobby Bacala is already there. Um, and uh, we think that uh, Junior might have broken a hip, maybe. Um, Junior, like, passes out while Tony's talking to him. Mm -hmm. um, and Tony sees, like, how frail he is, but Junior's, like, refusing an aim. He's trying to look, like, tough for Tony. He's trying to show, like, how not hurt. Um, but finally, like, the very end, like, Tony's gonna pick him up. So, like, if this is the last thing I do, like, don't let this guilt weigh on me. Like, fix things for mother, um, as Tony, like, carries him out. Which is kind of heartstring tuggy of a scene. Um, Junior, like, allowing himself to show weakness. Or I guess, like, like, circumstances more than anything. But, like, he has to show weakness in front of Tony. Um, it's just, like, like fix things with your mom. And he feels guilty. Like, he feels like it was his fault. I am just so, this, this episode made me more curious to know about Junior and Livia's relationship because it is so fucking strange. And there's clearly, oh. what? No, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I'm just, there's, there's just very clearly like some backstory there and I'm, it's just, I'm dying to yeah. know what it is. That's the other important part about cardiologist is that Junior has found out who it is that's blabbing soprano business all over the place. And it's the guy who runs Green Grove. Yeah. Who's talking about like Junior's mad at him because he seems to be implying or he's telling people that Junior and Livia were fucking. Yes. Uh, and he gets all like choked up about it. Um, but he's also um, blabbing to people saying that Tony tried to have Livia killed. Um, and so they both have mutual reasons to kill this guy. And we see a cutaway. There's a there's a, a line about he has a toupee or something. And then there's a cutaway to like a cop picking up a toupee next to an abandoned car. Yeah. By the underpass implying that this dude dead. Immediately after the, um, after showing an empty parking spot with the director's name on it. Right. So Right. Can I tell you what my prediction is? Because Ben, last episode you were talking about um, like you're interested to see them get involved in more legitimate businesses rather than just like scams. Mm -hmm. And I think I feel this is my prediction. It seems like maybe they're setting it up so that somehow the the crime family can take over more control of Green mm -hmm. Grove. So I was like, oh, maybe they're going to mm -hmm. buy Green Grove. I don't know. I like that. I like that. I hope they do. And, you know, and the thing, like the reason why I like that so much and the reason why I think that they would do it is because they're just dumb enough to think like how immensely, or they're dumb enough to not think about how immensely regulated by the state and federal government, all of that money going in mm. you know, through Medicare and Medicaid and all that. Yeah. Um, I think that they would fuck that up big time. Well, I thought it would also make more sense because I'm very confused about, um, well, we'll get to this. Like Janice really doesn't want Livia to go back to Green Grove. And so I thought that mm -hmm. would make more sense to set up that like, uh, tension if Green Grove is going to play more of a role, but I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a good prediction. I won't say 
anything about it because I'm sworn to secrecy. So let's cut to the Janice storyline then. That's, that seems like a good place to cut. Um, Janice is um, trying to play Tony hard, trying to um, get uh, control of Livia and her house. She wants to move in to the house with Livia and take care of Livia. Um, Which go, the- go for it, do it. Fucking yeah, do it. Yeah, right. Right. If I'm Tony, I'm like, yes, fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But Tony is is worried that he's getting played. Right. And I talked about this a little in the last episode. I think his prime thing with Janice is like he's a scammer who hates getting scammed. And so even though he knows that like Janice's intentions are anything but pure, um, he, you know, he can't help but like try to get in her way. Mm. Um, So. Uh, we do have an interesting scene where Janice goes to visit Livia in the nursing home and she's playing music for her. And there's like a scene of like some tenderness, I guess, between them. We're like sitting on the bed with Livia, takes her hand and rubs it on her face kind of in a weird yeah. way. Um, but yeah, um, so this was um, this was after Janice talked to Meadow about um, it's like, what is Ma like? Which is great. Like, it's your mother. And you have no idea like what she even likes because we know that Janice ran away as like a teenager um, mm-hmm. and hasn't had anything to do with Livia since then. So um, wild, but um, <laughs> yes, yes, dude, yeah. Um, I, this there like all the scenes with uh, Janice and Livia make me so thirsty for another down neck style episode where we get a flashback and like get to see mm-hmm. all the backstory. Uh, yes. I hear that. Yeah. Um, there's uh, uh so Tony keeps insisting that we not talk about Livia and Janice keeps insisting and keeps forcing Tony to talk about Livia. Um, there's a scene at the dinner table where uh, she's like, I want to talk about she who could not be named. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I thought it was funny. Meadow calls Tony El Duce. Yeah. Which was the nickname for, um, what's his face? The, the Italian. Mussolini. Mussolini. Thank you. Which was, yeah, Mussolini's like Fuhrer type title um so shout out there to meadow for knowing her italian fascist dictators dude she is awesome like she knows everything she should go to berkeley she should go to berkeley she knows about chickens don't ever touch the ground and how to score meth and that's about it um (laughs) so yeah go to berkeley meadow go to berkeley challenge 2020 (laughs) oh my god do you think the right. meth is as good in California as it is in New Jersey? Because uh, that might keep her from going to Berkeley. Yeah, it might. I, I thought know. she kicked the meth habit. I mean, does anyone ever really kick the meth? I don't know. No. I've never done a drug in my life. Mm. You're an addict for your entire life. It's just a matter of how you manage it. Right. Anyway, let's let's talk about this weird Janice and <laughs> Livia dynamic because it is weird. Um, Janice is definitely trying to ingratiate herself to, um, to, uh, to Livia, to Livia. And there's a scene where she's doing some therapy and it turns out that, uh, actually, uh, she doesn't want to move back into the house. She'd rather go to Green Grove. And right. that sort of sets Janice off. Like, what the hell? Like, uh, yeah. um, you know, I'll take care of you. And she's like, no, no, Green Grove is fine. It's great. You know, I get fresh towels. She's like, no, it's dangerous. Like, the guy who's in charge just got whacked. 
Right. So we we see in an earlier scene, like Janice wants to take care of Livia. Um, and so she's talking to Tony about like what her options are. And she wants to move back into the house with Livia. And uh, Tony's like, take her back to Green Grove. And she says she can't afford it. Um, so when she mentions to Livia, like, don't you want to go home? And she's like, no, I'll go back to the other place. And I think Janice freaks out because she cannot afford to send Livia to, to Green Grove. And, uh, and Tony has basically said she sleeps on the fucking street uh, if I have anything to do with it. So, but then, but doesn't Livia mention that there's money lying around somewhere? She does, and I think here it's Livia back to her old shitty self, and yeah. I think she's manipulating the fuck yeah out of um out of Janice. Mm-hmm. Um, they're sitting in like a, a I don't know some sort of room, with, and the the doctor's there or the nurse. I'm not sure. Um, and uh, and Janice comes in and uh, and she starts talking about uh, now Janice. Where did I say I hid my money? I'm sure it's there somewhere. And she just keeps talking about the money over and over again. And Janice, I thought this was a cool little touch. The the camera goes behind Livia to a. Uh, uh, a warning fall risk yeah. down the stairs sign and uh, or, or in case of fire take stairs and um, and it transforms into a little cartoon uh, uh, Livia being pushed or mm-hmm. being thrown down the stairs and as fantasizes about throwing her mother down the stairs to get her money uh, and I think Livia is just playing her playing her like a fiddle. Livia something else. She is. So then uh, after she's planted this seed, she then calls Carm late one night and is like, oh, good, you're home. Uh, and she's like, how dare you call this house? Yeah. Uh, shout out to Carm. Yeah. Uh, and then she's like, if I, any money that I have, I want to go to the grandchildren. Uh, and she's like, if something happens to me. And Carm just immediately hangs up the phone. But she knows that she's, maybe she saw something in Janice's eyes or something. I don't know. But um, she's worried about this whole Janice situation. I Yeah, I think she's trying to ingratiate, re-ingratiate herself with, with Carm to see if she can talk sense into Tony to getting her to, to pay at Green Grove in which any money that, that she has left in return will be bequeathed to the children, the grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Good call. I think that's probably certainly what's happening. Yeah. So, but um, and yet another uh, twist. We've got a um, we've got a weird conversation between. Um, her, we've got a choking incident where Livia. Uh, what is she seeing Which, something? And yeah, and, and she does the cookies. fakest choking cough you could even imagine. Right. So uh, so. Janice runs out, finds a nurse. Uh, Livia's got everything under control again. They go and step back outside, and the nurse tells Janice, "Hey, you need to talk about end of life directives and things like that. Your uh, your mother doesn't have a DNR or anything. We don't know what to do with her, so you guys need to figure something out." Um, which is a you know really hard conversation to have with family. Um, yeah, DNR but, is a, a do not resuscitate order, um, which the yeah. show kind of talks about that it's for, uh, it's an end of life directive that says when there's no more quality of life to like unhook the person from the machines or whatever and just let them go. It's as uh, it's something that Terry Schiavo didn't have. And so there was one of those big, there was all that big controversy mm-hmm. about whether or not to unplug her feeding tube and all of that shit because she didn't have a DNR. And uh, I'm going on record here on the podcast to say fucking dnr my ass like yeah. do it i don't okay. think that's legally binding ben but uh maybe all right you... well i'm gonna write it down uh i there's an interesting article that i read about 
people who get do not resuscitate as tattoos and whether or not those are legally binding like what? some people like it's un the intent is unclear like is that just like an edgy like cool tattoo to get or is this person really this you know 30 year old skateboarder or somebody who has a dnr tattoo really not want to be resuscitated um anyway uh maybe I'll yeah it, it, it seems like it'd be easier to just write it down than to sit it and is. get it <laughs> yeah i mean it would be a good idea to talk to an estate planning attorney um uh yeah don't just be like you should make sure you do all this because it's going to be a motherfucker when you die and we've got to figure out where all your shit is and administer yeah. your estate um so yeah uh, going back to the, the DNR, um, the yeah. Nurse- so Janice tries to actually have that real conversation with Tony, and Tony, yeah. exactly as you expect he would, is just like, <laughs> I don't know, whatever. And yeah. all this conversation is happening happening in front of everybody, which including you know, including our our little our buddy, AJ, son, our round uh, little boy. <laughs> yes, uh, AJ, we love is- him. This this uh this week's uh, uh his arc this week is I have to write a report. Oh my god! Uh, and so he's... <laughs> he rescued dinner, man. He rescued dinner. He's like the he's like the kid from Jerry Maguire, but with DNA facts. He's like, hey mom, how many nucleotides are in DNA? Over a hundred million. Or <laughs> wow. DNA. Yeah. Uh, which all right, I can relate to that a little bit because when I was in high school, we had to do everybody had to do a report on a different element from the periodic table and i was assigned carbon and to this day i know a lot more about carbon than i know about other elements i, I know a lot about lead for that exact reason man you, i never which, had to do- which is your favorite periodic element <laughs> My favorite element is, uh, yeah, I like oxygen. It's cool. I mean, it kills us, but hey, we need it to live. Ain't that love. <laughs> Ain't that love. So, 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 so then yeah. AJ, uh, AJ and Meadow go to the hospital. The Meadow has gotten her driver's. So that's her arc. And she that. is hot shit. She is just like fucking, I drive now and I'm cool. I'm running stop signs. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she, she takes, uh, oh, actually, Rachel, this goes back to a prediction you made in season one about eating disorders, because Hunter Scangarelli is in the hospital, yeah. at the eating disorder wing or something, she says. Um, Hunter's and- back in the eating disorder wing. Yeah. I'm sorry. What? Like, <laughs> that's the brain. That's the brainworms of the week. Is like, there is a eating disorder wing? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, where Jersey was that is... when I was in middle school? <laughs> what a weird hospital. <laughs> that's sad. We love um, humor. <laughs> we love. Um. So then she's like, she just ditches AJ at the hospital, and it's like, you go see Graham. Yeah. Uh, AJ, classic fail, son. He's like, I'm telling. And then she's like, <laughs> uh, She's sharp on her feet. She's like, Hey, mm, just such a shame. Thought you were going to drive in the right. parking lot. Yeah. Damn. She's going to let him drive out of the parking lot. Um, and so, yeah. So AJ goes to see Livia. And again, two seasons in a row, spills the fucking beans. Yeah. Last season, it was Tony's in therapy. This season, he's like, Grandma, what's a DNR? Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, oh my God, you fuck up. We know you know how to use the internet, AJ. So <laughs> right. maybe just Google it next time. Oh, man. 
Um, yeah, just a just an amazing uh, <laughs> conversation there. Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> so it's it's actually it's after this after she learns after Livia learns about the DNR that she starts playing Janice mm-hmm. about like where's my money, Janice? Oh, I'm sure it's in the house somewhere. We'll find it. Um, and gets Janice thinking about throwing her mother down the stairs. Oh boy. Uh, so yeah, AJ, uh, fail son moment of the week, uh, spilling the beans again to Livia. He should not be allowed to go see Livia in the hospital, um, or ever again. Um, yes, like, I've only ever seen him, I think there's only two scenes total in which it's just AJ and Livia. And, like, that, all he's doing is just blowing shit up. Just, oh, my God. So, yeah, absolutely. Amazingly, we have made it this far in the episode and have yet to discuss the huge reveal in this episode, which is that Pussy is a fucking rat. Oh, yeah. Well, it's so, it, that was wild. What a, what a roller coaster. First you think he is, then you know he's not, then it's boom, back, maybe. Yeah, and, and 100% confirmed, he has yeah. a handler named Skip, who looks like Skip. any other member of Tony's crew. Uh, he's a big round boy in a tracksuit, um, and apparently Pussy has been a rat for years, we're yeah. led to believe, by the discussion that he has Skip in the car. Um, but uh, Pussy is... While we know he's a rat, he's still not being completely forthright with the feds because he tells Skip that he hasn't gone back to see Tony yet, um, even though we know that in the first episode he's already made up. Um, and we see here Skip talk about the feds are letting him continue to earn, um, which is something that the feds do. Um, they only care about um, crimes when they fucking choose to care about them. Otherwise, they'll let Pussy continued to, you know, deepen his own pockets right. uh, at the expense of, of the well-being of others. So, uh, fuck the cops. Yep. As always, that's our stance. A non-controversial stance. Maybe the only non-controversial stance we have on this podcast. Like, I want to know. Like, cops. I, like, I want to know how much state resources, how much in state resources goes into, like, continuing to perpetuate, like... You know, criminal activity for example like running like child pornography uh, mm-hmm. uh hubs that they catch people on it's just like god you know yeah like do we really need to do that do we need to do that right. yeah. i mean i'm not hold on let me let me let me take a second all right fuck child pornography like, right i know what you're saying anybody? maybe okay. explain a little bit more for the dear <laughs> listeners who may not know exactly where you're coming from all right yeah yeah so where, where i'm coming from is like uh like you are continuing to cause horrible terrible things to happen you know all in the name of like getting more people to be convicted of crimes to throw them in jail maybe not yeah maybe maybe you don't have to do that so uh, i think what you're referring to is though is that the fbi runs a lot of like child pornography rings and websites um as like honeypots to trap people in bingo Uh, which yes get rid of pedophiles but also like how many how much resources are we putting into that and it's not like they catch them hundred percent of the time from those things so right. um to a certain extent you're just allowing pedophiles to uh you know continue heading uh, man you know. that's deeply upsetting to think about right mm-hmm. uh or like uh it's like entrapment shit uh joe arpaio if you haven't i'm gonna link this in the notes because it is a crazy story that joe arpaio basically entrapped this dude uh and said that he was trying to have joe arpaio, he was trying to assassinate joe arpaio with a bomb the guy did literally nothing he just had like handlers from the sheriff's office who were like undercover um and the guy 
was actually been that you'll think this is surprising. He successfully pled entrapment, um, which is very rare. Um, in Arizona, too. In Arizona. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Um, so, yeah, if you don't know that story, it's a really, really interesting one. And it's they put all these fucking resources into setting this guy up um, for uh, an assassination plot, which wasn't real because it was in the middle of Joe Arpaio's re-election campaign, the drama court. I've, I've been watching McMillian the, mm-hmm. on HBO. Have you all been mm-hmm. watching that? What's it called? Yep. McMillian's, it's about the, the McDonald's Monopoly game. Like, the, there's a lot of that going on where you're like, first of all, there's the goofiest fucking FBI agent you've ever mm-hmm. seen in your life. And they're spending so much money. And like, it's wild to, to like get people to admit or like catch people. It, it's so bizarre. Mm-hmm. Right it's before really, 9-11 too. Yeah. Like, like, this is what the FBI is focused on is like mm-hmm. preserving the fucking Monopoly game, you know, right. when really like the you know, what you guys should be doing is taking down George W. Bush before he does 9-11. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Muhammad Atta is like in the United States at that point. And yeah, take down the, well, we all know that that's, that's fake, but what? 9-11, 9-11 is fake. It never happened. Okay. Are you all, uh, are, no still there. are we what? No planers like for the uh, Pentagon. Oh, that it was hit by a missile. Is that what that means? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Is that the official stance of the podcast? It is. We are no planers. Okay. I'm no planer. <laughs> so are y'all. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, so yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, 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 I had a weird day yesterday. So that's... no, it's every day in this stupid hell world is weirder and more awful than the last. <laughs> well. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, um, so pussy. <laughs> So pussy is um is a rat, rat and Meadow is what's there's something up with Meadow. She got an important role this week, doesn't she? She has her driver's license. She takes Janice to go buy pot. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Which She's still like, a, a good natured uh teenager. Yeah. She's How probably you... getting it from her meth dealer. Yeah. How do y'all feel about asking your uh teenage niece to drive you to buy pot? I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Just can't wait. <laughs> Uh, my niece cool. lives in New Jersey, so perfect. Wow, great. Shouts out to my niece. It's like three. Aww. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't have right. any nieces yet. We're nephews. So get fucking. Brothers and get, sisters. Yep. Jesus. All right. So anyway, uh, I think that's the episode, isn't it? That's the episode, folks. That's it, baby. Um, all right. So who was horny this episode? Oh, I'm no going to say... Pussy was horny when he was in the doctor's office and heavily sedated. And he wasn't even super horny, but he was just sort of like, I'll sedate you or something like that to the nurse. That's as horny as this episode got. Mm-hmm. Pussy like half-heartedly drugged up. Yeah, I think. <laughs> no that's... poly in this episode, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of horniness in the app. Um, I also struggled with uh, things I want to put in my mouth. Ben, what did you... Oh, we know it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, from last episode, you'll recall that I want to sit by the pool and smoke a cigar. I but I need. To, I think I need to pick a different what I want in my mouth because it can't be a cigar somewhere. Uh, so no, that uh, did look good. I was very jealous. I as I was watching, it's like I would love to sit with my fucking pool. That's yeah, like a just nice evening, you know, out in out in suburbia with the birds 
the crickets or whatever. <sighs> Fuck it. Yeah. I, I want a cigar in my mouth again. Crickets, whatever. Rachel, what did you want? I had something that I noted I specifically didn't want in my mouth, and that was the macaroni and cheese that they ate at dinner. It looked fucking okay. dry as hell. Good. Uh, there is uh, the, the sausage that they're eating in an earlier dinner that does look good. The one that Tony makes a joke about. Janice doesn't eat pork like that. We gotta talk about this. Wait, we didn't even okay. get to this. He says, Janice, do- Janice, I know you don't eat pork in that way. What is he talking about? Hurt? What? What is he talking about? I think he's talking about sucking some dicks. Specifically, it uh, sounds to me like she fucks cops. I, I really, 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 really hope that uh, that she's got some sort of dietary issue. Um, she's a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> Which is basically dietary. Just kidding, folks. I'm I'm a okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily that she fucked cop. I mean, no, I don't think that's what it is. But it does. It sounds more than just sucking dick. Mm-hmm. I I do. Okay, let me let me take my what I want out of my mouth. Uh, is it zoophilia? Does she fuck pigs? Stop it. All right. Okay. So anyway, I'm I'm withdrawing my uh, what do I want in my mouth, and I'm asserting a new one. Uh, I want a glass of Coke uh, with our guy, Reverend James. That's good. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's very good. I want to hang out with him and then peace out because I'm uh, not even close to his caliber of a good person. Yeah, none of us are. Uh, Also, he's dead. Um, Shout out. (laughs) (laughs) Pour one out. Pour some Coke out for those senior reverend. Um, So... So who do you stand, John? Who do I stand this week? Oh, gosh. It's going to be a big surprise. Um, I struggled with this one. Uh, so I had to fall back on my old fallback, uh, which I picked last week because you picked my primary stand, but I'll do it again. I'm picking Carm uh, as my stand of the week because she stood up to Olivia on the phone and she was like, don't call here. and hung up on her. And she's standing up for her husband against the woman that plotted to have him killed. Um, so... Uh, Again, I stand, stand calm. Who did you stand, uh, Ben? Oh, God. Ben, you go first. So, um, I would stand the Reverend uh, James, but I'm actually going to stand Uncle Jr. Oh, uh, God. In this episode. God. Uh, God, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 you always, you know, we talked so much shit about him and how he made a really insensitive comment about Nazis. He basically yes. is pulling a Harvey Weinstein. He's incredibly racist, and yet. Yeah, look, he's an old, <laughs> old man. Nothing's going to change. You know, no, if, we're looking, if we're looking to Uncle Jr. for any sort of, like, sensitivity to anybody other than himself who we're going to be uh we're probably going to be disappointed however he does provide us with a couple of points one is he shows weakness and humility with tony at the end uh and he's he's very insistent throughout the episode of reconciling with his mother and i i i I like both of those two things a lot. I think they're very important and they are, um, they're something that I hope Tony actually follows through on. And, but you know, as, but Tony's dead too. So uh, (laughs) I'm going to push back just a little bit and you can stand whoever you want. I'm not trying to get you to change, but I think junior knows Livia. And I think the general idea of reconciling with 
an estranged mother is probably a good one. But in this instance, where it's Livia, who is a black toxic cloud of toxicity and who literally just tried to have him killed, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't yeah. think that's necessarily in Tony's best interest. But I, I, I do understand where you're coming. Okay. So I think he could have... Yeah, no, like I, I completely agree Livia sucks ass. But... Uh, I, I think I think Junior having taken a step back from from running everything, uh, from sitting in prison and think or sitting in jail and, and thinking about what's really important in this world. I, I think that Junior's advice that look, you don't have to win, you know, just just show a little bit of humility with your mother and forgive her and move on. I think that that's that's a cool piece of advice. Fair enough, Rachel. Who did you stand this? Um. Wow. I think I have to stand Emerald Lagasse. Who- oh, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> well put. Well spotted. Um, no, but really, I think, like, this this episode made me appreciate the cultural impact of Emerald Lagasse, who I think we've all forgotten about in the meantime. And I just, you know, he made some salient points about um, uh, Cajun cooking. And, uh, you know, I just... Uh, I appreciate him for that. His his line was that uh, people say our food is spicy, but it's just well seasoned or something like that. Yeah. Uh, we didn't even get a bam. We didn't get a bam, and I think that's okay because I think it would have been would have been had they. He's been. Creole, isn't he? He's not Cajun. Sure. We haven't all lived in New Orleans, Ben. Yeah, I I can't. <laughs> that's a, that's an important class distinction. The okay, Creoles well, were there. Tell us about it. I'm about to. They are the rich assholes <laughs> who ran all these restaurants, you know, downtown. Uh, uh, all the rich people gave them their money, and they cooked. And the Cajuns were the uh, the ethnic minority that were uh, that were forced down from Acadia uh, to the swamps um, and persecuted. And uh, anyway, that, that's that's all. So were the Creole like the French, more predominantly like white French descendant or something? Or yep. He he. First of all, he has mastered quote unquote his mastery of Creole and Cajun cuisine. He descends from French Canadians from Quebec, and his fuck? mother is Portuguese. So he's a poser. No, I think. <laughs> French Canadian that is I don't I mean, know. She puts uh, cheese curds on his French fries or something. I don't know. All I know is my grandfather. When Emerald was really popular, my grandfather would always do the bam cute. It was a fun little okay. fun family. Shout out to Emerald. Make me dinner. Have y'all been to Commander's Palace? Is that the one in New? My mom has been there. She got like she got to like sit at the chef's table for like. Mm. I don't know. It was like a classic mom adventure. John, have you been in New Orleans? I have not been. It's on my list of places to go. You should have gotten in the. Should have gotten the car with uh, Tyler and Crowder. Uh, I know. I had a trial or something. I really wanted to. Yeah, we didn't do anything except have a lot of. Yeah, fuck off. (laughs) Uh, If you're if you're craving some New Orleans adventure HBO style. Might I recommend the show Trimé, uh, mm-hmm. created by uh, David Simon, uh, who also created The Wire. Uh, and I think that show is very good and a lot of fun. It has my favorite uh, theme song, uh, I think, of any TV show. Song. There is no better theme song than the Woke Up This Morning. <laughs> <laughs> Disagree. <laughs> I like the Trimé theme. Okay. Uh, drop that in. i
so those are our stands of the week. Uh, ben and Rachel have made completely abominable picks, so you must vote for mine, uh, dear listener, on our Twitter That's poll bullshit. at Pod <laughs> You fucking fallback ass, uh, Stan. Yeah, we're just trying to be creative. Yeah, I'm and being yes, that means excusing racism and abuse. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I'm sure, uh, has Emerald been me too yet, or is that still coming? He works in a fucking restaurant. He, are you out of your mind? Yeah. So <laughs> next, uh, as always, we have our dialectic. Uh, th- this is not what dialectics really is. Please read about dialectics. Blah, 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 blah. Every week <laughs> we do the thesis, which is something that we like. The uh, antithesis, which is something that we didn't like. And the synthesis, which is something that we loved. Uh, and I just want to say, I've always learned in dialectics that it's pronounced antithesis. Uh, I know that normally you would say antithesis, uh, but I don't know if, if that's, I don't know. I just want to say that. I Where did you, you learn on about Twitter. dialectic? In school? School. What kind of school did you go to? Political science school. Oh, that's why, because you're a fucking gang, gang. nerd. Gang, gang. It was go to law school or be a used car dealer after that. So, Man, you fucked uh, up. My pointless <laughs> fucking degree in political science. So, gang, gang. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, who wants to go first this week on their dialect? You do. All right, I'll go first. Uh, my uh, thesis for the week, the thing that I like, uh, I like the, as a plot device, pussy is a rat. Uh, I really think that that, that is going to take this season in some interesting directions. And I think it's cool that last season I talked about Tony, uh, uh, it was, uh, some fallacy type thinking to think that there was only one rat and it was either Jimmy mm, or pussy. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. in fact, we learned in this episode, it was both Jimmy and pussy. Yeah, um, at least. At least, yeah. There may still be more rats to uncover. Um, and so I, I like that. Um, and it, it does, you know, otherwise Pussy's sort of disappearance and all that, you might like chalk up to like, oh, maybe that actor was like having to shoot something else or but what it, but it makes more plot sense to have him disappear because he actually is a rat. Yeah. Um, something that I hated from this episode, I don't like having Junior Reverend on. Mm-hmm. I think it drips of Gen X cynicism mm-hmm. uh, about like the only reason reason that somebody would care about something like this is if they were making money off of it, which I think as as uh, principled leftists, we have to look at and say that, no, we are fighting for a better world and we are fighting for people that we don't even know um, because of uh, because we care uh, and not because there's something in it for us. Um, and I think to have that whole sort of movement boiled down to uh, because the Rev was making money off of it, I think is uh, overly cynical. And I, I get that the show is cynical, but looking at it as a leftist, um, you can see that painting with like a broad like South Park brush of like caring about things is stupid and nobody cares about things unless they're making money from it. So uh, something that I loved, I love that Livia is back to her old shitty manipulative self and we get to see her really pulling out the big guns and manipulating Janice. And um, uh, and now we get to see uh, throughout this season, you know, we're teeing up um, that relationship. And Livia putting on a masterclass, uh, a pro manipulator, uh, and really just going to town on Janice, who even though Rachel apparently loves Janice, I think 
Janice sucks, uh, and maybe she doesn't deserve to be manipulated, but, uh, yeah. So I, I loved, uh, getting to watch those, those scenes between Livia, uh, manipulating the shit out of Janice and just poking all her buttons and pulling her strings. And that was my dialectic for this week. And you look like One Piece, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. That's what this podcast I don't is. love Janice. I do think she's like a more interesting character than like I would expect from the show. Like at least she's got something different going on. That's and fair. also she's the fucking child of a, an emotionally abusive at least parent. So like give her a fucking break. Y'all over here rooting for like the most evil character on the show. Unreal. I'm Who? for Carm. Livia. Oh, I'm scared of Livia. Yeah, but y'all, yes. uh, whatever. Ben, who, what's your what's your fucking dialectics? Wow. All right. <laughs> I'm pissed. Um, I, I I liked um liked the Reverend uh, James a lot. Uh, Elder Reverend. Uh, you know, it was an example of just like a, a genuine, hardworking person. You know, somebody who's like a real rare uh, artifact in the Sopranos universe. That you know, somebody who actually cares about other people and is worried, um, wor- who worries about others. Um, you know, even in cases in which it wouldn't have a direct uh, impact on their own life. I thought I thought it was nice to see that you know this universe isn't isn't entirely devoid of what I think actually are are good people and good characters. I'm, I'm pleased to see them drop that guy in there. Um, I don't like Tony. I hated Tony a lot in this episode. Um, and it's not just because, you know, he was an asshole to everybody, but it's because he really is the, uh, you know, the, the representation of somebody who, who comes from modest means, who amasses power and then destroys the lives of others uh, around him without any regard for any of them. Um, you know, he doesn't think twice about it. He doesn't care. Uh, and, and that to me is, is just, just monstrous. And, and we've talked about how he's a sociopath, but you know, in, in this episode, uh, yeah, Tony is a, he is a, a type of character that I see more and more of in 2020 in which somebody who's, who's gone up, who's gotten his, and who is going to continue to um, shut the doors behind him that, uh, that were open for him. So fuck that guy. Fuck Tony. Um, uh, something that I love about this uh, this episode, I, I I can't get on board with um, with finding the uh, Reverend Junior's corruption to be uh, too cynical. Um, I, I think that that is I I, I love it actually. I, I think that it is a perfect representation of American uh, Protestantism in the 20th and 21st century. It's a um, uh, it, it's it's less of a um, worldview and more of a means to uh, line your pocket when you are the person in the pulpit. Um, and I, I think that his um, his depiction as somebody who really actually cares about about making money and uh, and, and being entrenched in power is is a very very good um, development in the show. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. What's up, Rachel? I'm just thinking on the worst. Um, huh. Well, mine. <laughs> this is mine. Is not as uh, deep as y'all's are because, as we know, as listeners of the pod will know, once we're recording the second ep of the day, I'm usually not uh, <laughs> doing as great. So, uh, the thing that I liked about this episode <laughs> was uh, Tony's wearing a very cool little short sleeve turtleneck sweater that's very late 90s uh, as he goes to uh, visit the Reverend Senior, and uh, I really liked that. 
<clears throat> it was a good little article of clothing. My antithesis is um, Janice. Janice. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> Janice. Janice has got uh, an idea for a self-help video. And the video is called... <laughs> Do you remember what it's called? Uh, it's like Lady Walden or something like Lady that. Kerouac, Lady Kerouac. Lady Kerouac. Probably worse. <laughs> I... I tried reading, the first uh, encounter I had with On the Road was a Tumblr uh, account called On the Broad, where someone rewrote the entire novel On the Road, but like as modern day bros, and it was very silly and funny, and I was like, maybe I should read the original. <laughs> um, and I also know my mom likes Jack Kerouac, and I could not finish that fucking book because it's so goddamn <laughs> boring and stupid. Yeah. How um, old were you when you when you read that? When you read On the Road? Probably 14, somewhere okay. around there. Hmm. Um, God, I can't believe Tumblr was a thing when you were 14. I'm so old. Okay. That makes me feel very old. <laughs> Relax. I didn't even have a Zanga page yet when I was 14. Stop. John no, like, and Ben the... are 58 years old. Mm-hmm. I will say something about like On the Road. Like There is a sweet spot of age. Like If you read it, like you have to be between like 16 and 20. And I'm sure it. it helps if you're male. Yes. I mean, oh, for sure. It. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's definitely like a, like a, oh, bro, wouldn't it be cool, you know, to yeah. do all this shit? Yeah, which is why I would argue that On the Broad is actually the better piece of art. <laughs> um, uh, no, you're probably right. On the Broad is very funny, and, and anybody who's looked it up. Um, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, that shit was funny to me, and it was kind of like, please don't do this. Because I was starting to like Janice, but then every, I feel like she is very quickly descending into unlikable territory, and this one really... You mean like when she's fantasizing about throwing an old lady down the stairs and taking all of my... I mean, that one I gotta understand. Olivia <laughs> sucks ass. Um, no, I, I don't ass. know. Lady Kerouac to me is a worse crime. <laughs> Lady Kerouac is a terrible crime. <laughs> Janice gets the wall for Lady Kerouac. Yeah. Um, What's the... uh, Oh, that could be um, a good segment. Who gets the wall this week? And, like, Junior gets the wall for being racist. Anyway. Yeah, that is good. (laughs) What's the um, annoying white lady version of Hotep? Karen? No. What are you you doing? Like, never mind. The secret? I don't know what you're talking about, but... Just, like, you you know how, like, um, Killmonger... It's just like Hotep as fuck, and it's like dog relax. Yes. yes. Right. And, and so like Killmonger, right? Killmonger is to Hotep as Janice is to. Oh my god, help me out, y'all. I I don't know where you're at, bud. Yeah. <laughs> like she is a specific type of annoying white. Sure. She's not a Karen. Oh, for sure. Not, no, she's, she's not, not a Karen. Karen. She's not. Karm is closer to a Karen. Yeah, Karm is more of a Karen. I see what you mean. She's like the. She's like a doTERRA lady. Or like a, like an old, she's like an old hippie lady. I mean. She's no, an, old hippie ladies are cooler than Janice. Yeah. She's are like a, she's a new agey essential oils and crystals lady. Yeah. Well. Okay, Ben, I'm so sorry we can't read your goddamn mind. Holy shit. You I'm went to how many years of law school? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, anybody who assumes that somebody who's gone to law school is uh, intelligent, mistaken. We're, we're just That's suckers. Very, well, very true. then I must be mistaken. Anyhow, if- can I say my synthesis? Holy yes. shit. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Hold on, Ben and I are mansplaining. Look at what time it is. Oh my oh, god. It, it's weed time. Uh, okay, let me just say my synthesis so I can get off this call and get high. Um, <laughs> my synthesis is that we see our beloved AJ and he is go, he's growing, he's learning, he's really getting into biology. He's excited about DNA. And, uh, you know, I just, I love AJ so much. So that's my synthesis. I just love that. The uh, little nerd. Yeah, good for him for being like excited about uh, about the subject matter is the uh, school. Like, good for him. Yeah, it is good. Yeah, we've seen him struggle with his schoolwork and his mm-hmm. ADD, and so I guess it is. is he on yeah, the minerals? Uh, I think we're supposed to believe he is not. Mm. Um, otherwise, I don't think he'd be saying "dicked up" at dinner all the time. <laughs> um, yeah. Can't wait to see AJ Soprano grinding his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, all right, so yeah, Rachel has an appointment with uh, Stony Maloney. No, that, no I'm uh, kidding. I, I, I have all day to get high. Um, <laughs> what else? What did we? So yeah, we any covered... any final thoughts? Anything from your notes that we didn't quite get to, or themes that final themes to discuss? I will <laughs> say, uh, in Rachel's kink corner. Nah, 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 come on. I have oh, yeah. a feeling Janice is going to be kind of a freak. I think she did fuck Polly. I think she's into some weird sex stuff, and I'm very excited to see what it is. Uh, R- Rachel, I want you to make sure that you remember this prediction. Okay, so that feels really good. I think that that uh, means I'm so- not going to say anything else about it. I just want you to remember this prediction. That okay, I will try to remember. I think this means that she doesn't fuck at all. I'll never tell. <laughs> yes. What's the next episode called, John? Uh, ben, I'm so glad that you ask, as you do every week, and as I always forget to check. The next episode is uh, season two, episode three, and it's called Toodle Fucking Ooh. Uh, oh. and, uh, How'd they put that in the TV guide? <laughs> I cannot answer that question, but that's the name of the episode. Toodle Fucking Ooh. Okay. Uh, you can cut the Hotep shit if you want. Yeah, probably good. Good call. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll save us like two minutes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, but no, we had some good, we, we covered some good things. We covered, uh, uh, you know, race and labor and uh, cynicism and some other uh, good topics. Um, so good. I think we did, we did a good podcast, you guys. Hey, John, I also had a Camry uh, when I was younger. And uh, yeah. I just wanted to say that. I also... You can cut that, too. No, I also... Well, I was gonna... uh, I also... Well, never mind. Uh, You can find us at Pod Sopranos. You can find Rachel at What Shakes Loose. You can find John at Johnny Awful. You can find Ben at Essential Consultant, but spelled all fucked up. So uh, in in the meantime, subscribe to our Patreon. (laughs) Uh, we haven't put anything on it as far as I know, or we've done a lot and I just haven't been involved. Uh, we don't have any patrons yet. We got to get some people up there. Okay. Yeah, so, well, subscribe on Patreon so that. We- oh, shit. I forgot to say. Um, shouts, shouts out to Tyler Jeffries. And he wanted me to say that James Crowder sucked. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Love you, Tyler. Shout out to the. Um, I'm not going to talk. Did he pay us to say that? Uh, yeah. Yes. Good. But what sucks is like James Crowder definitely doesn't listen to this fucking show. Oh, no, he definitely doesn't. Shout out Crowderbug. We love you. But also yeah. Tyler says you suck. <laughs>
<laughs> Subscribe uh, to our Patreon to hear uh, the anecdote that I was going to tell, but then didn't tell about the Toyota Camry. Okay. There you go. Mm -hmm. And that's I'm, how you, and that's how you reel them in, folks. Got him. Got him. Now we'll have hundred subscribers. Yeah, and mm -hmm. Ben and I will tell more Havana stories, probably. Uh, <laughs> Rachel strongly agrees. Yeah. All right. So yeah, subscribe to our Patreon. Follow us on Twitter. Um, and until next week, wash your hands, take your medicine, go to therapy, and organize for the revolution. We love you. Love you. Love you. I dreamed I saw Joe here last night, alive as you and me. Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead. I never died, says he. I never died, says he. In Salt Lake City, Joe says I, him standing by my bed. They framed you on a murder charge, says Joe, but I'm dead, says Joe, but I'm dead. The copper bosses killed you, Joe, they shot you, Joe, says I, takes more than guns to kill a man, says Joe. I didn't die, says Joe, I didn't die. And standing there as big as life, and smiling with his eyes, says Joe, what they can never kill, went on to organize, went on to organize. From San Diego up to Maine, in every mine and mill, where workers strike and organize, it's there you find your hill. It's there you find your hill. I dreamed I saw your hill last night. Alive as you and me, says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead. I never died, says he. a good point with Tom which I've been sort of chewing on which was like do you think that these people are just grifters or do you think that they legitimately believe that they're entitled to all the riches that they've scammed off these people as like you know approval from God or whatever hmm. okay that's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs>